when you're making a small business loan to a business owner, you know, you're, you're doing something tangible, buying equipment, leasing equipment, buying a building, making payroll, expanding their business. You can touch and feel the impact of that. It's mm -hmm. not commoditized and reverse is very similar. You're having a, a per, uh, an impact uh, at the client level and it's in a very real way. And that's what originally drew me to the business. And uh, like I said, I've been in and out of the business for 17 years. This is Matt Helton with One Trust Home Loans and the Serving Senior Podcast. This is the podcast where we highlight those businesses and those individuals that are helping seniors not just get by, not just survive, but thrive in retirement. And today we actually have one of my comrades uh, at One Trust Home Loans, Mr. Jesse Allen. Now, Jesse is the creator and founder of our 55 plus lending division. So this is the division uh, that allows me the products and the resources to be able to help seniors with their cash flow in retirement and to improve their finances and improve their budget to make sure they don't run out of money like we're all concerned about in retirement. So Jesse, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all you do. Uh, looking forward to visiting with you. Jesse, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Matt. Looking forward to the visit. Thank you for the for the invitation. You're so welcome, Jesse. Thank you for being here. Now, uh, Jesse, I, I, have, I know some background on you, but not everybody does. So maybe please share some story that how you got to where you are today, where you're from. Maybe give us the give us the real deal. If you could. Yeah, OK. Um, and I'll try to keep that brief. So first of all, my role. So I'm the president of our 55 and up active adult mortgage lending division here okay. at One Trust. 35 plus years in financial services, uh, 20 of that as a banker, started my career as a teller. Going when you to were 12, right? Started at 12? Yeah. Can't be that <laughs> I old. wish, I wish. That's all awesome. these kids keep me looking young, man. So, oh, wow. um, and then uh, did a, uh, you know, spent a, a number of years in consumer and business banking. Okay. Uh, and then uh, about 17 years ago, I exited the glamorous world of consumer banking and got into mortgage lending. And my yeah. first, uh, my first role in really in mortgage, uh, in the end was reverse mortgages. Uh, joined yeah. and helped build out what became the Bank of America reverse mortgage platform. Ultimately, ran that, uh, and we grew that from scratch to one of the largest platforms in reverse mortgages ever to exist. Um, and then we ran that until the uh, past the financial crisis, uh, when all of the bigger banks, including our business at B of A, we all exited the business. Okay. Um, so that's my professional career. I grew up right outside of New Orleans, um, had wow. family in New York. So I'm a New Orleans, New York. And now for the last 18 years, I, I was, uh, I've been out in, in Southern California. That's awesome. Hey, uh, settle a score for us. Who's got better food, New Orleans or New York? Oh, New Orleans, it, New Orleans, hands down, I will say, but New, but that's just because New Orleans is great. New York is solid as well. So, and they both beat California. Um, you know, I know if you have Southern California people listen to this, they won't be happy with that, but 
That's hard to argue. That's my opinion anyway. That's okay. They're all leaving California anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, that that's awesome. Well, it's a great story. Where'd you go? Where'd you go to college? Yeah, I did a couple of years down in South in South Louisiana, LSU. And then I, I found out the hard way that I wasn't cut out for full-time school. Okay. So I, I moved to New York, had a buddy there, um, got a job as a teller in a bank. Back then the banks would pay for tuition. Nice. And I started going to school at night. So I graduated my undergrad, Pace University, uh, out of New York. And then uh, here recently, I finished my master's with UCLA uh, in 22. Good for you, man. That's awesome. What a, what a story. And let me guess, you've been dreaming your whole life to get into mortgages, right? You, that oh, was I did. Thing. I mean... <laughs> Just like I used to say when I was in school and and working as a as a banker managing branches, people used to ask, "What are you doing?" I said, "Well, I, I'm 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 really a student. I moonlight as a banker. I couldn't <laughs> wait to get out of banking, but you know, it, it was a great. It's great. You get the you get to mix and mingle and with a lot of business owners. Uh, it's been it's financial services has been great to me. And uh, you know, I was selling loans in 1989. I didn't know what I was doing, but I, I did the front end of mortgages for a while as a banker on the sales side. Um, but you know, I think, um, there's nothing like mortgage lending. I always love small business lending and mortgage lending because that's, uh, activity with a purpose. You're making an impact. Um, that's the thing that struck me about reverse in a really big way. It's very similar in my mind to small business lending and not to take anything away from the other products and services that financial, you know, financial services companies offer. But um, when you're making a small business loan to a business owner, you know, you're, you're doing something tangible, buying equipment, leasing equipment, buying a building, making payroll, expanding their business. You can touch and feel the impact of that. It's mm -hmm. not commoditized and reverse is very similar. You're having a, a per, uh, an impact uh, at the client level. And it's in a very real way. And that's what originally drew me to the business. And, uh, like I said, I've been in and out of the business for 17 years. I left for a while when we exited the B of a, uh, business okay. for about six years. I, I stayed at bank of America in the traditional mortgage business. I did a bunch of stuff, including deploying Dodd-Frank regulations. And oh, wow. I didn't write them. I just had to deploy them. Okay. And, um, so uh, I, I love mortgage lending and, uh, I, I like to say you couldn't get me, uh, back into banking. Uh, That's awesome. Well, maybe you could share with us, Jesse, some of your superpowers, maybe break it into two, like maybe some of your superpowers that helped you when you were dealing with the consumer individually. Now, now, as far as a leader, uh, trainer, maybe some of your powers now that help you build a team that, that, that really focused on serving seniors. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, you know, for me, I think hard work is my number one superpower. Um, I, you know, I, I tend to, I've had a strategy that just, I organically learned coming out of a blue collar background and in, in, in Louisiana where you work hard and I've been blessed. I just carry that with me naturally. So I don't take credit for it, but I do think in reflection that work ethic and being able to just really outwork people, yeah. um, had a lot to do with it. And, uh, and I think, you know, I grew up in a warm hearted family. So that servant uh, mentality, whether it's your consumers, your, your, your business partners, your team, uh, and really just willing to roll your sleeves up, jump in and uh, try to be smart about what you're working on, mm -hmm. right? Keep things simple um, and, and really be committed to the people that are around you and work your tail off to try to have an impact on the team. So I think that's the number one thing. Uh, and then I've, you know, I've gained some wisdom with my years. Um, and, 
and made a lot of mistakes and you try to you try to be a good student of your mistakes sure. and apply and be intentional about applying that. So I think, um, you know, and then a sense of, uh, I think, urgency, passion for what you're doing. That's um, great. So passion and work ethic is probably the two that I would I would. That's with. that's pretty awesome. Well, uh, Jesse, maybe you could break down some specific examples of how maybe your passion and work ethic has led to some some really good success stories with either helping businesses that serve seniors or also maybe some specific stories of either you or some of your team members that's helped seniors, um, you know, really have a better retirement based on what you do in the lending world. Yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a good question. So I'll, I'll answer that by telling a quick story and, um, and, and I'll give you, I'll give you a, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the reverse product as we tell okay. the story. Cause I sure. think it'll come through. Okay. Uh, it'll come through that way. You know, people always ask, especially when I was getting back into the business after being away for six years, like what, what is a reverse mortgage? What, what, why are you doing this? Well, tell me about why, why are you making this move? Why are you getting back in? And a part of that answer I always give is, well, you know, there's a lot of things that um, are, that the product has in common with any other mortgage, right? It's a okay. lien on the home, um, uh, you know, you have your third party cost, uh, the, the borrower continues to own the home, it has to eventually be paid off, uh, you have to pay your taxes and insurance, like there are a lot of things that any of us have had a mortgage, a reverse mortgage is, is, is the same, including, you know, a standard FHA or a VA loan that have, you know, in, in, with FHA, a mortgage insurance premium, VA, you have a funding fee, reverse has a mortgage insurance premium for FHA, so you have a lot of things that are the same, right? Um, but to get to your question, the second part of that answer is always about what's different. And that is the, the, the client piece. There's always a human story. And I talked about a little bit about this as I compared it to, uh, to small business. There's always a human story. And, and that's where I think people who are in this business get their passion from. Okay. And, and I'll describe a little bit about the product, but also by way of example. So I'll tell this story. This was probably Q4 of 19. So right before COVID hit, um, I was back in reverse for about two years. And, and I got a call from my mom. Actually, I got two calls back. My mom lives a couple of hours away from me in Southern California. Okay. I got, you know, it was the double phone call. She, she called me. I hit ignore because I was in a meeting. <laughs> and then for me, my code is if they call twice to tw twice, back to back, either my kids, my mom, right, I'll answer the second time. And so she called again. I'm like, oh man. So I answered the call and, and she was like, Hey, what are you doing? A casual conversation. I said, well, you just called me back to back. Like I'm talking to you. What is going on? <laughs> she goes, well, I have a friend of mine. So a good friend of hers, I'll call Susan. So my mom's a critical care nurse. So she spent her entire career saving lives, critical care intense. And her dear friend that I've that's known me most of my life, who's also a critical care nurse, okay. um, had called her. She was in a jam, had gotten a foreclosure notice mm. from her mortgage uh, holder and called my mom on the advice of her realtor to get money wire transferred over so she could put some curb appeal on the house to sell it. Uh -huh. now, she, now she was back in Louisiana. Okay. So my mom's talking to the teller, Matt, as she's doing the wire transfer, you know, and those things go and the teller goes, oh, well, you should have your friend talk to someone who does reverse mortgages. So the teller had been around, knew about the product in a different, in, in one of the prior banks that had done reverse. 
So my mom says, oh, maybe I should call my son. So she calls me. And, you know, I was an afterthought. Okay. Um, but so wow. I called Nan and, 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 and on the first uh, call, so I'm on with Susan and her realtor. The very first call, she gets the realtor on who wants to sell the house. Nice lady, well-intended, but I wasn't sure that was the right path. Um, and so they were far down the path of, of borrow the money, curb appeal, sell the home. And so while I'm talking with them, I got them to pause for a little bit. And I said, okay. So I said, Susan, what's your game plan? So let's just say you sell the home. Okay. A lot of what we have to do in this business is just let people talk mm. and listen. Because there's always a rock in the shoe. There's a pain point, right? There's a there's a reason um, that people like she was she was thinking of selling her home for a reason. She had a threat of foreclosure. She was worried, and and so you know that's an emotionally obviously high emotion. And so I paused. And I was like, well, where are you going to live? And are you going to rent? Are you going to buy? Like, what's your game plan? And and on the phone call it was clear they had no game plan. Not only did they not have a game plan, and I do say they because the realtor I would have expected to have some of this conversation. And I'm not knocking realtors. This is just one experience. Um, and not only did they not have a game plan, Matt, they hadn't worked the math of, okay, what is option A if you sell your home? Mm. You know, what are you going to get back? What's the capital gain implications? What do you have to pay for moving? What's the cost of your housing, right? Where you're going. Gotcha. And so because we were almost family, she had known me a while, I was able to be direct, which you sometimes have to be and got her to pause and said, okay, so I understand the both, both of you are kind of not into reverse mortgages. They both had a bad taste in their mouths, even though they didn't know, know anything mm. really. I said, but can I paint a picture of what option B might look like? So you could always sell your house, but let me let me walk through for you what this might feel like okay. if you had a reverse. And the realtor went quiet and I walk her through and uh, I was able to paint a good picture around what life would feel like. What were her pain points and how would it look like in addition to the math if we did the reverse? And, you know, for, for Susan, her math was pretty straightforward. Her house, and I'll talk a little bit about the pro her house was worth, I think, about 350. She owed 90. So she was about to lose her $350,000 home because of a $90,000 first mortgage that she was wow. significantly late on. In her case, we did the reverse. We did a $160,000 line of credit. So think about it as a HELOC line of credit, but obviously the product works a little differently. We used 90 to pay off her first mortgage. She had 70 left in a revolving line, right? And, and because she was on fixed income and she wasn't working, at Social Security not working at the time, she, traditional mortgage financing wasn't a, an option for her, right? So with her, we paid off that first mortgage, got rid of that debt service, saved her home. And all she was thinking about on the phone call was, okay, great. Like I can keep my dogs, my garden. I planted this oak tree in the front awesome. yard. Like that's what she felt in the math, right? Mm -hmm. Relief and peace of mind. And that's what we did. And her line of credit grows, okay? as long as she's in the home as a primary okay. residence, now she pays her taxes and insurance again, similar to any other loan, but she doesn't have to no longer has a debt service and doesn't have to disrupt her life. Now, as it turned out, 
the timing on this circumstantially was great for her because to lose your home on the cusp of, of COVID would not have been fun. Mm. Instead, Matt, what happened was, you know, so, so that's how the math works. We solved the problem. No more debt service, no DTI qualification. Okay. okay. Access the more equity through the growing line of credit over time, right? As she ages in the home and needs more there. And, but the human side of it is even better. So this was in November of 19, we closed the loan. So for Christmas that year, I get text picture, text messages from Susan with her, with her Christmas tree, the dogs in the Christmas tree and in the message. And this is not uncommon in this business. It was, this is the first Christmas I've celebrated in my house for 10 years. All giving us credit for that. We had nothing to do with it, but it was the it was what the peace of mind that we unlocked. Mm. And then I'll end on this. So then COVID hits. Now she's a friend of the family. Okay, so so there's ongoing communication. And in Q1, I get more pictures from her, and it's her outside of the hospital with her coworker. She had gone back to work because she had peace of mind, so she had started to go back to work. She's on the front lines of COVID saving lives. And she's sending me pictures of her and her troops outside of the hospital, wow. working through all of the things that the first responders and nurses had to work through in, during COVID. And she's back at it. And in her, if you ask her, it's all because of the reverse mortgage. It's all because of the, the emotional uh, stress that we helped her deal with by doing the math. So you have the math of the product, but the, the real impact is that human impact. Now, you know, in, in this example, this was foreclosure prevention and life-changing because of, of the situation she was in and the peace of mind that she had, but that's not an uncommon experience. That case with Susan was what I liken to, um, the, you know, people who get their healthcare through emergency room visits. There's a lot of research around the cost of care through emergency room visits and it's it's in the billions and it's not the, and and by the way the outcomes aren't great right i did uh, my master's thesis on this topic actually it wasn't in banking at all so there's a lot of work around that and that is i think largely who the reverse mortgage industry serves today right there it's it's er care it's acute care situations and we save lives that way and and make a huge impact and that's super important but there are other very common use cases for okay. the product, which are more like preventative care or, or you know, exercise routines that's, that we do or don't do. And, th you know, that gives a good framework for thinking about other use cases where, where when, when middle income, mass affluent people hint, start entering those retirement years and you start getting into decumulation mode. Now I have limited resources. I have to make my way through retirement. And by the way, I need to be prepared for the headwinds that may not be foreclosure headwinds, but maybe mm -hmm. they need more cash flow to pay off. So paying off that first mortgage just to free up cash flow. Home modifications is another growing uh, body of work we see where families, a lot of seniors want to age in place. Okay. And the research supports that. But the research also says that the overwhelmingly majority of homes aren't even set up for limited mobility. So, so can they safely age in place? And uh, so mod home paying for home modifications so that, so that folks can safely age in place, the number one leading cause of injury and death are falls in the home. And it costs, it costs any, depending on the study, 
34 to $50 billion a year in healthcare expenses wow. related to that. And so home modifications paying for in-home care is another very increasingly common use case where you have a lot of unpaid caregivers who are paying mm -hmm. and um, bringing, and that creates a whole nother pressure point that we have to manage through on those families and those unpaid caregivers where the data and the research is very clear that we have to work through that. But using a reverse to access that equity. So to turn that asset into a liquid asset where you can access it in order to pay for in-home care to give relief and, and solve is another more common use case. So there are there are a ton of use cases. You have some that are more sophisticated, you know, using a, a, a reverse to, to draw down and pay taxes on a Roth conversion, deferring social security. I think the use cases can be unique as the, as the individual situations. And it's certainly not a solution for every situation. No financial services product is, um, but that, but that's exciting. It's easy to get passionate about an experience like I had with Susan and to do life-changing work like mm -hmm. that or to help someone modify their home or take pressure off a family because they can pay for in-home care. That's meaningful work. Um, and that's the kind of work that folks, not only in our team, but all over the industry are doing every single day. Yeah. And that's awesome. Really cool. And I, I love to hear you talk about it and see you get excited. You know, that shows that there's a lot, a lot's going on. I got on. into the business. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Jen, and, maybe, and go ahead. Number, you've done a great job of bringing senior services companies into this discussion mm -hmm. because this is a big topic the aging of america the transformation that's going on and and it takes a lot of different people passionate about serving uh retirees uh, in order to provide that complex web of services there's a complex web of of trade-offs that families and seniors and communities have to make uh and i and i do think it takes um you know, if you if you go think about the people who serve seniors in their businesses, this passion is not unique to us in reverse. Mm. In home care providers are just as passionate. The the I spent a, a couple of days with a, a bunch of uh, business owners who own construction companies, okay. but they specialize in in uh, modifications. Okay, making the home safe for seniors. Mm. That's the, that's the bulk of their business, and they okay. they share the passion. And so that's what's exciting about this space is, A, there's a huge demand. It's a life impact uh, on families, individuals, communities. And you have a lot of passion from the folks engaged in this business around really doing meaningful work and making a, a, a real difference in, in, in the work that they do. That's fantastic. Um, Jesse, I know you mentioned that you uh, saved Susan from foreclosure. And it, it's funny you use that term because there's lots of misconceptions about this product. And one of them is, you're setting yourself up to lose your house. So I thought that was a great story because you actually saved her from losing her house. So maybe that that kind of covers that. But could you share some of the other misconceptions, maybe where they came from and why that they've changed over the years? Yeah, I think it's um, it's a good question. I think one thing, um, there are a lot of misconceptions and that can happen with any sort of specialty lending product that just yeah. hasn't had broad uh, awareness you know, using a reverse purchase, for example. Well, you know, lots of folks don't know about that because you couldn't use a reverse mortgage to purchase a property until 2008 or nine. And so you have a lot of misconceptions. That's why I tell the human story because it, it flushes out a lot of that. Um, you know, one thing I would say that um, that I think is material to the, the product 
and, and the industry in a healthy way is after the financial crisis, and I don't think we talk about this enough with referral partners, adult children, customers, even as an industry. Um, one of the reasons I was comfortable getting back in and excited to get back into the space was after the financial crisis, not unlike the traditional mortgage space, there were a lot of consumer safeguards, regulatory changes that went okay. into effect that completely, um, I think mature and completely is a strong word, de-risked the product, matured the product, made the product more scalable and applicable in a broader way. For example, the you know, underwriting for the customer's willingness and ability to pay their taxes and insurance. That didn't exist prior to the financial crisis. That's huge. It's com it sounds like common sense right. now when we say it, but it didn't always exist. Protections for the non-borrowing spouse, the set-asides, being able to set aside some of the equity to pay future taxes and insurance, similar to escrows or impounds on traditional mortgage, um, caps on origination fees, lowering of the of the of the margin so when you think about the the biggest thing i can say is that the consumer safeguards that went into effect after the 2008 financial crisis very similar to strengthening the the credit buy box in traditional mortgage okay. strengthened the program and gave more protections on the program for seniors their families their estate lenders um, and i think that's a that's often overlooked uh, and and when you get into the common myths, it's like, that's why I talk about how is it the same as any other mortgage? You know, oh, I don't have title to the house. There are a lot of myths. I'm gonna Those just simply, it's not true with any mortgage. It's also not true that it's not a loan. Yeah, absolutely. It's a mortgage mm -hmm. like any other mortgage. And, and I had this discussion with Susan and my mom before she would even mm -hmm. put me on the phone with Susan. It's like, hey, there's no freebie. This loan has to be paid off. Right now, if Susan lives into her house until she's 105, which was the question she asked me, I never have to make a payment. What if I live to 105? Right. That's that Louisiana food is good for you. Right. <laughs> and, and I said, Susan, you live to 105. You still you have to pay your taxes and insurance and you have to maintain your home. Now, let's be clear about that. But you do not have to make any debt service payments, no principal and interest. OK, that's an unbelievable feature for folks. And the fact that you're you're line of credit, what we call the principal limit, the line of credit, the available loan that you can get out of a reverse grows over time. And that's built on the assumption that as folks age and their home values go up, they'll need more access to equity, more liquidity. That's completely the opposite of a, I think about a traditional HELOC. Well, you know, that's, you have a 10, if you're 65 and you take a HELOC out by 75, you have to figure something out. Hopefully right. you're still working, you have income, you can still qualify. And this product is just a very elegant product for seniors who want to efficient, sort of efficiently integrate housing wealth into their income stream in retirement. And the, and, and the other thing that's changed, um, all these use cases we talked about, 17 years ago when I first got into the business, Matt, everybody in the reverse space, we were all just as passionate about it, right? But a lot of these use cases were theoretical. The boomer wave is coming. These things are coming. People are undersaved in home care. We're under, you know, we don't have enough long-term care insurance. These problems were kind of in the distance. When I got back in, what I noticed in 2016 were these people are living these things today. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about these use cases, they resonate for families and adult children and seniors. We're all navigating through different flavors of these mm -hmm. things. 
And so then, and then you have, you couple that with the research, the academic research, the policy research that's been done in the industry over the last 10 years on the notion of using your equity less as a static asset, but more of a liquid asset as a part of your integrated um, income stream. The research is clear that you can actually not only improve longevity, so reduce the risk that people outrun, outlive their money, increase liquidity, right? Lifestyle. People don't want to, the, the, the retirees today are different than the retirees 20 years ago. They don't want to make all these necessarily all the compromises. They care about lifestyle. They want to visit grandkids, live in a good neighborhood. They value entertainment, quality of life. That requires liquidity. Um, and then everyone's focused on legacy, but the research would say it may not be the house, may not be the best way to leave the legacy. It's a combination of all of your assets. So you asked the question about the myths and I think these, you know, A, that it's not a safe product, understanding some of the regulatory um, changes that have gone in and made the product safer, I think is important. And then all these ideas, here you go. I mean, this is really what we do for a living is we help people work on these topics here, right? Longevity, lifestyle, liquidity, legacy. And we do it by helping them access that their equity as a more liquid asset to enable optionality. This is about creating more choice mm -hmm. versus less choice. That's great. Yep. Four L's, huh? There you go. Yes. That's awesome. I like, I like, um, I like number four uh, and uh, that's quite what I like about it is I like to say that a lot of people are wanting to give their house uh, and use it as really have it to give to the kids, right? They're, how much is left and this and that. And we give all the kids, but I don't know about you, Jesse, but any plan that step number one of the plan has to do with me dying, it's not my favorite plan. So <laughs> I agree. So what yeah. if we could show you how to get your hands on some of that equity today where you could actually give it to the church, you could give it to the kids, you could give it to the nonprofit and put your hands on the product, put in some sweat equity and see the fruits of your equity versus wait until you're dead. I mean, that that's life-changing. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and we have more and more families discussing that. And the other point of this legacy is, and this is kind of a left brain concept, okay, for, for but um, the, the math is real. If you can connect this math to an emotional desire, hey, I want to leave a legacy. Okay, let's sit back. Often we do this with financial advisors, CPAs, or adult children. Say, okay, what's your best mathematically? Mathematically, how do you? What's the research say? Or what's a great way to do that? Well, there's a lot of research that points to the fact that um, it may not be using your equity as the as the last asset. So drawing down all of your liquid savings first, and then drawing your equity last as a as a last resort mathematically may not create the biggest estate. In fact, the math and the research shows the opposite, that if you integrate okay. and maybe, you know, this year I may draw down from my reverse mortgage line of credit because I don't want to touch my, my, um, my, ass, my retirement assets or my assets under management, or maybe the market's down, which is not right now, but maybe it's down this year. Mm -hmm. And why draw down my, my cash flow from there? When I have a lower cost of funds off of nice. my line of credit, which it's a loan, so it's tax-free income, um, using it to do things like defer Social Security. And again, none of these strategies are 100% right for everyone all the time. 
But if someone believes they actually can live longer, they're healthy, they want to defer Social Security, you can get an increase of Social Security of 8% a year for several years if you don't take it early. Mm -hmm. So draw down, you're giving up 8% if you draw that early, if you believe the program's going to, there's a lot of personal decision-making going on here. But again, it's about choice, right? Draw down your, your, draw down your liquid home equity asset as an alternative. So there's a lot of research out that will say that points to, hey, actually, if you integrate housing wealth earlier and you have a, a retirement income plan that's integrated, you actually end up with more legacy for your estate, more legacy for your family. Oh, and by the way, you also get to witness some of it, whether you're taking it out for help with college education as a gift for to help a millennial grandkid or adult child buy buy a first time home, you get to your point. You also get to witness some of the good that you can do with the wealth you created while you're still here. Uh, That's awesome. That is awesome. So uh, Jesse, as we uh, wrap up, maybe could you share an example too of um, from your past where you or your team put in motion some of these strategies and you helped uh, in-home care, maybe a senior care type of company um, grow their revenue and even help more people? Yeah, it's a, that's a good question. So I will tell you, I, I, I wish we were doing more. I think there's more work to do there and more families to help and more companies to help. The best example I can give, um, a friend of mine um, is, owns a, an, an in-home care company. And uh, he's in a pretty affluent area. He, his company is in, in northern, in, not northern Cal, but north of L.A., Ventura County. And um, he's owned it for a few years. And I was w- w- talking with him about, hey, how can we work together? How can we help? And mm-hmm. you know, what can we do more of? And we were thinking about what opportunities do you have? And he goes, oh, most of my clients have money. I don't really lose a lot of clients because they don't have access to funds. And I was like, okay, well, walk me through, like, walk me through any pressure points. Who are your most profitable clients? So we were talking B2B here, right? And, and he said, you know, my most profitable clients are the ones that unfortunately need, need 20, you know, care around the clock, 24, seven, seven days a week. And um, obviously that's, you know, the, the most billable hours and we do great work. And, and it's also, the, you know, the most profitable client. And I was like, well, what percentage of your book is that? And he goes, oh, it's about 15%. I said, what percentage of your book, your client base, your book, should that be? And he said, you know, it's interesting. Now he had just owned this business for about two and a half years. And he said, you know, we think there are another five to 10% of our customers, patients, seniors, that need more care than they're getting, but they can't afford it. Mm. I said, okay, well, what if we could unlock buying power for you? It's it's very similar to the work we do with realtors. How do you unlock purchasing power, especially in this kind of market where okay. affordability is a problem? And it and it was a, his light bulb went off, and he thought, oh, I want to get together a list of those clients, and if we can talk about possibly unlocking their buying power for something they need, they definitely needed. They had unpaid caregivers in the home. A week later, I had a referral from him, and and it was an adult. It was an a, a adult child who was the person supplementing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she was an attorney and it was very difficult to, to balance this, the, you know, so mom needed more care. Um, and, but they didn't understand how to pay for it or wanted optionality or a choice around how do you pay for it? Right. And I think that's a great, that's the best example I can give. Cause I personally lived it and, and uh, my friend owns the company. Um, and in the beginning of the discussion, he couldn't think of any reason to work with us. 
But as we really got under the hood on, okay, who aren't you serving that you could be serving? And is there a way that we can work together to aid meet a consumer? Number one is, are you meeting a real need? Yes, we had a real need with one of his customers, patients that we needed to meet. And at the same time, we were helping him grow his business. That's really what it's all about. That's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of the kind of people that whenever the caregiver leaves, they're thinking the next phone call is going to be from the emergency room or a kid or, you know, they, they know that they need more care. They're fall risks. They can't do everything, but they have those financial constraints or some people have the money, right, Jesse? They were just raised that way where they're trying to be thrifty, but thrifty can really be and be very expensive if you break a hip. Or I just was sitting down in uh, a lady's really nice lady outside of Nashville, her her living room talking about the product yesterday. And uh, I brought up in-home care because she has had two back surgeries. The last one came because she fell taking the trash out to the trash can. Um, yeah, uh, I had a discussion last week. You know, we get towards the holidays and we we end up with family, friends, people that we don't always see all the time. And you always have those catch-up discussions, right? Yeah. And I know we need to wrap and I'll, I'll share this one. You just reminded me of this story. And it was a so a friend who's got a, a, a aging mom in her okay. mid to late eighties, who's taking care of, of her dad. And uh, we have you know, early onset of, of Alzheimer on her with her dad, but, but it's an emotionally trying thing on her mom. And um, I'm like, Hey, let's do, you know, could you do in-home care even one or two days a week? Like, Oh, I don't know what that's going to cost. And I was like, you know, let's, well, let's go figure out what it's going to cost but you're sitting on a paid off home and I'm not saying five days a week, but you look for pressure relief valves. Sure. Would, you know, this was a friend. So I was talking, I was like, I was just trying to give her a pressure relief valve because she's stressed because her mom's stressed. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, so now she left the conversation thinking about, Hey, you know what, maybe that is like, you know, that it, maybe I need to go understand, is that a choice? It's about empowering choice. Right. And, and educating, informing folks around the optionality that exists around how do you leverage seniors have 13 trillion dollars worth of housing wealth. today. Wow. So how do you leverage that 13 trillion dollars as a family, as a senior, as a community to solve real problems and take pressure off of people? Right. That mm -hmm. pressure relief valve is how I described it for her. Um, and I think that's really largely a lot of the work that we're doing and a lot of the work that senior services businesses are doing. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, I think if if we boil it down and simplify it, right, what we do is give people peace of mind because there's a lot of stress when it comes to money and finances, et cetera. I think our challenge is, is that a lot of the people haven't done as well as they should have saving money and their badge of honor is is they paid their house off or they've got a lot of equity you know that's their badge of honor and they're they it's almost this shameful right like oh, i'd never borrow against my house like i worked my whole life the one thing i've done financially is paying it off right now i'm going the other way and i'm using against it i think the the part that we that's our challenge right but i mean we see it every day people are deciding we uh, just had a story the other day where a it was a veteran he was only eating every third day because he couldn't afford three meals a day for him, his wife, and the medicine. So he was choosing mm -hmm. one meal every third day so he could have his wife the medicine so she would be comfortable. But he had a paid off house. And he had this stick, like I couldn't borrow my house, those kind of things. So I think a lot of what we do is like you mentioned earlier, the the softer emotional side of letting people know, hey, 
you don't have to you don't have to bat a thousand, right? Maybe you didn't do good on the 401k, maybe you didn't do good on the savings, but you made a good purchase, you made all your payments, and the market was good to you. You know, your portfolio is better than you think. Let's use this part of it because it's tax efficient and it's okay, right? It's not yeah. a bad thing to use it. I, I think that's a big part of this business, which is why the people, those of us in the business love it, because it's about people, not product. Right. Now we have an elegant product that unlocks a lot of benefit for folks in many cases, but it's really about the people. Mm -hmm. And 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 those like that's why people get into this business and stay in it. Um, yep. And and I think those stories you just told are a good are you know great examples of that. And um, and and adult, I mean, a lot of adult children while I'm on planes that are trying to still working through these things that you and I are talking about wow. with their parents or grandparents, yeah. and they're looking for answers and ideas, mm -hmm. right? And information. Um, and, and solving that problem is becoming more and more important than the stake in the ground around, I want to have a paid off house, right? right. And it just takes listening and, 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 and being really, um, I think genuine and authentic and credible at, at understanding what you do and what you don't do and, um, uh, making sure that that's why I think, you know, we're lucky here at One Trust. We have, we have very polished mortgage bankers who are very focused in on seniors. We have, a, I, you know, we have a really skilled, um, team. Who, who know their craft really well and, and referral partners, adult children, consumers can trust them to be good at their craft. And, in, and uh, I think that's really important in a, in a space like this, where it's such an emotional uh, sale, there's a lot of misconceptions. You have to be really good at what you do and credible and trustworthy and responsible. Uh, and I think, um, you know, we, we have a great, uh, I think a, a great, situation here because we've built that kind of team and that kind of culture and it's client first. And I think that's very, that's, I think that's what people look for because you need to trust, right? There's a, there's a lot going on here when you do a transaction like this and you need to trust the people that you're doing business with. Yeah, And that's true of all of us, but I think it's especially true uh, with seniors. And that's why you have third-party counseling in this business mm. uh, to give an objective pair of eyes. Um, I think that's a healthy thing. That's why you have the consumer safeguards and you have a lot of responsible lenders who are driven by customer first. That's awesome. Uh, and and uh, so, yeah, that's what makes it a lot of fun. And, and you know, it's it's worth, we're a mortgage business like any other. So the, it's been high interest rates makes it tough <laughs> to serve more people. Yeah. Um, so we have our fair share of pain like any other mortgage sure. company, but, but the nature of the work is great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Jesse, as we wrap up, anything that I should have asked you that I didn't? No, I think we covered we covered a lot of ground and probably and um uh I think we covered a lot of ground and you know I'm happy if you uh if you get some more questions or if you have you want to do another round we can that's more targeted or looking at certain use cases I'm happy to come back and and join you. Congrats again on the work you're doing here and and helping to highlight your business partners. I think that's that's important uh, and I appreciate it and I appreciate the opportunity to be a part of it. Man, that's all. Well, thank you, Jesse, for being our, our fearless leader of the 55 plus uh, division. And most importantly, you know, uh, the overall culture starts top down and uh, you've just built the culture of focusing on serving seniors. So we really appreciate you bringing that heart of service to every day to work, uh, serving the team so we can serve those seniors the way we want to. So it's much appreciated. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Thank you very much, sir. And you have a great day. Enjoy your yeah. holidays. Merry Christmas. Yeah, thank you, Jesse. And thank you for watching the Serving Senior Podcast. This is the podcast we highlight those professionals that are helping seniors not just get by, not just survive, but thrive in retirement. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. 
Hey, this is Matt Helton with OneTrust Home Loans, home of Retirement Mortgage Solutions. And we really do appreciate you checking out the Serving Seniors podcast today. Now, please go to the description down in the body uh, of the podcast where you can subscribe to get future shows. Please click that notification button so you get notified when other shows drop. And also, if you can go to servingseniorspodcast.com, and we'd love to hear a comment about our show. We have a heart to serve seniors, and we have a heart to make sure seniors don't just survive retirement, don't just get by in retirement. We want to show seniors how to thrive in retirement. So if you know of anyone that's 55 and older that could use some extra cash flow, maybe the retirement's not going the way that they like, our retirement mortgage solutions are designed for folks, and depending on the state, they're either 55 or 62 and older, to make sure that they have that kind of retirement that they want. As long as they own a home and they're in a good equity position, there could be some solutions that they may not have thought about, or maybe they thought of and they just didn't know how they work. That's what we do. So anyone in that age group that could use some mortgage advice, my team and I would love to be able to help them. Thanks again, and look forward to seeing you on the next show. Have a great day.